With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And she says, oh my God. Okay, sorry. This is <laughs> genuinely kind of hard. <laughs> Detroit, Michigan, what is good? Thank you so much for coming out to the show. I'm very excited to be here. It's my first time in Detroit. I've been to Grand Rapids, Michigan. I don't know if you like hate them. Okay, some slight woos. I guess like other city rivalries aren't really a big thing. So yeah, I've been to different Michigan, but not this Michigan. Technically, we're here in Pontiac. We did drive here in a Pontiac, so very fitting. Let's get right into what we're going to be covering today with our special guest, who's Pontiac. I did drive in up from Cleveland for the show, so please make some noise for our guest for this episode. It's Eric Hamilton Schneider. Hello, hello, thank you, thank you. Hello. Oh, wow. Did your car like feel a sense of presence being in its home birthplace name? Like, yeah. Is it leveled yeah. up now? Yeah. It was real squeaky today for some reason. Do you notice that? I did notice it, but I didn't want to say anything in yeah. case you didn't notice the squeak. Oh, and no, then for the rest it. of your life, you'd be like, oh, no, it's he usually, pointed out that my car squeaks and now I can never run here. It's usually squeaky in the winter. And I don't know why it was squeaky today. So it, got, it was in the shop last week for this trip. So it's fine. Okay. But squeaking. Maybe it was squeaking because it's like, oh, I sense that I'm home. I'm coming in home. In my yeah. birthplace. Yeah. So what we're going to be doing today, we're going to finish up 11 and do about half or so of chapter 12. But now you are a repeat guest because you did yep. the show the Two other days ago in Cleveland. <laughs> now you're here. We get to ask you the repeat guest question oh. that I didn't tell you beforehand. So you now sure it's didn't. fun and on the spot. Great. Have you ever done a sorting quiz of like which godly parent you would have? No, okay. I don't think so. If you had to think of any of the gods from the story that you Ooh. think might claim you and put them in one of their cabins, what do you, uh, where do you think you'd end up? Which one's like the gamer? Ooh. Who's got the most gamer vibes? I, Hephaestus, maybe? They're kind of like the tinkery type, yeah. you know, yeah. a little handsy, crafty. I yeah. feel like, given that. your setup with like your very intense gaming desk, all yeah. that kind of stuff, you're, yeah. you're, a, you're a crafty handyman. I can I see think Hephaestus. So. Oh, yeah, that's what my dad always says. <laughs> he, says he says, you know how to fix something in this house. <laughs> I, I don't so, call him when I need anything done. What I will also say, which is true to form for your personality, I feel like in the Percy Jackson books, everyone likes everyone from the Hephaestus mm. cabin. Like, no one was like, Beckendorf, I hate that guy. Like, yeah. no, everybody... Yeah loves the people from the Ephesus cabin. And I think you're a very agreeable, easy to get along with dude. So Thanks. I think Thanks. that fits. Yeah. Cool. Well, let's talk about this. Now you, when we did the last show, you had only read up to the exact chapter that we were covering. Yeah. Did you read a little bit farther? Did you just focus on this? I, I've read these chapters that we're going to cover today twice. 
And I've read like the the plan was for me to read the rest of the book in a day and a half, and we ended up doing other things instead of me uh, doing yeah, that. We, we're, so, we're yeah, we're currently working on a, a we'll, secret we'll, podcast we'll project. We'll, that, uh, we'll, we'll say what we were doing, but we were doing something. Yeah, uh, a little uh, side so podcast project. That come said, out in the future. And um, yeah, so that was a lot of fun. Uh, so I think I'm like through like chapter sixteen now. Okay. Um, okay. And I I won't spoil any of that. Good. That is your job for the next hour ish. I'm pretty good. But let's get into this now. Where we last left our heroes in the previous chapter, we had Annabeth looking a little worse for wear. She had a poison situation going on. Will mm-hmm. Solace, Doctor, everything is okay. Came in, let us know everything is okay. And then Selena was there, and then she left to go and try and convince Clarice to come and join them. So now we have just Percy and Annabeth alone. Well, yeah, Annabeth's almost dead, guys. So, like... (laughs) So, Percy kneels next to Annabeth, and he feels her forehead. (laughs) Feels her forehead. The first step. Feels her forehead, and then she says to him, you're cute when you're worried. Your eyebrows get all scrunched together. And I know the circumstance isn't ideal, but this is still quite adorable. It's super cute. Mm -hmm. Percy says that she is not going to die while he owes her a favor and then asks why she took the knife. And she says that he would have done the same for her, which as a narrator, Percy, he admits is true. Mm -hmm. But then he asks how she knew. And then she goes, knew what? And he says where his Achilles spot was. And she says she doesn't know where it is, but she just had some sort of feeling that he was in danger. And then she asks him where the spot is. Percy knows he's not supposed to tell anyone, but he says, but this is Annabeth. (laughs) So then he does, and he says it's in the small of his back. And uh, where would you put your Achilles spot? I had said in a previous episode, underneath my foot, just because I feel like if I'm fighting someone, I'm probably standing, and I don't think that they can get to it. Right, but here's the problem with that. Uh One Lego piece and you're done. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. One Lego piece and you're out the (laughs) game. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, okay. What's I gotta, the I gotta podcast redo rated? Uh, PG? It's, uh, yeah. But we'll so I'm going to say stuff. a couple of subtle not things I won't say. Uh, <laughs> I would say, I don't know, like maybe like an armpit. Oh, armpit. That, yeah. yeah, you could get some armor I to cover like that. I feel like you don't like ever seeing like movie. I mean, not that movies are the only real sword fighting. They're not <laughs> real sword fighting, in fact. But I feel like you'll see how this people like slash up Ooh, yeah, under yeah. an mm-hmm. arm. Mm-hmm. So I feel like that's not the usual way to get at someone. Yeah. Like, if you're going to cut off an arm, you're going from down. Yeah, I had had a patron whose patron name is Dyslexic Demigod reach out and say that he would have made his spot on his tongue, which I think is very Mm. smart. I think it's cheating. I think once you're you're internal, once you're internal, yeah, it's it's on my liver. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. well, the... Uh, but so, but good idea. I like the thinking outside the box. Yeah, yeah. I, w- you will, I, w- I wonder if there are like particular rules where Percy tries to pick because he just like has to think of it. It would be funny if you think of something yeah. like, oh, it's eardrum. On my, it's on my spleen. <laughs> yeah. uh, and then I don't know which god would be like, try again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You can't do that. That's now, against you, the rules. Now, do you think? I mean, it's pretty obvious, right? That like the whole like when like he went in the sticks, he had that vision with Annabeth. Oh yeah. You, that's obviously why she kind of she knew. There's even though some, she didn't know something's some, happening. There's something. Happening. I don't know what it is, but yeah. it's yeah. yeah. There's something. What if on. she's the spy though? 
That would be really good writing from Rick Riordan. And I would be so mad. I would be so mad. I would not believe that. Uh, that would I, be yeah. a wild way to, to pull that ending I off. I don't know. It would, it would be tough. I, I am worried as the books go on that I have no idea who the spy could be. Mm-hmm. And it's either going to be like someone that I don't like and I'm just like, ah, okay, whatever. Or it's going to be someone I really like and I'm going to be furious with them. We will just have to see. But Annabeth then puts her hand on his back. And then she asks if that's the spot. And the narrator, Percy, says, quote, she put her hand on my spine and my skin tingled. So, okay, all right. Then he moves her fingers to the spot and it feels like electricity is rushing through his body. And I'm wondering, like, is this just, like, girl touching my back? I'm a teenage boy. Or is it, like, some sort of godly thing of, like, someone is close to your danger zone, does it? (laughs) Not that danger zone. (laughs) But so you're PG-13. Okay. So PG-13. <laughs> <laughs> that, well, no, it's here's the thing. Like, is it because she was just close to his Achilles spot, or is it because he loves her, or is it both of those things? I think it's just girl-touching boy, because the word electricity, if it was like Thalia, then uh-huh. it would be Zeus, because, uh, because electricity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But because it's not like related to either of them. The word mm-hmm. electricity makes me feel like it's just like, mm-hmm. I got a crush. Girls yeah. touch my back. Yeah, ooh. I also like that this whole show is going to be underscored by K-pop downstairs. Yeah, <laughs> real good, real good. Oh my gosh. I mean, could there be a more mic thing though? I mean, like, you're podcasting and you can it, hide to hear I mean, K-pop. If it was, yeah, look, if it was a different, like if it was new jeans downstairs, I'd see you guys later. Like I'd be, I'd just be like, I so would yeah, not be I read these books in three yeah. weeks. Eric, you can like handle it. this one, right? Bye. <laughs> Oh my my God. Okay, so Percy then thanks Annabeth for saving him. She removes her hand, but he keeps holding it, which is smart if he's trying to, you know, make some moves. She musters up enough energy to say, so you owe me, what else is new? Superb, superb stuff. I like that even in her weakened state, she can still give Percy Jackson some crap. They then watch the sunrise as all the cars and people stay sleeping. And Percy sees a fire off in the distance, and he wonders how many people were mid-cooking things in their stoves and, you know, all sorts of appliances when Morpheus did his main event of sleeping. So Percy guesses that fires are going to start popping up all over the city. And this is a pretty grim thought. Like, you don't necessarily, or at least I didn't reading it, I didn't think about, like, the larger ramifications of what Morpheus has done. And it's scary to think about, like, if New York stays paused like this for a long time, it's going to be bad. Yeah. Yeah, so, 100%. I'm glad maybe, he brought it Maybe up. like the cars fell asleep, mm-hmm. the stoves also fell asleep. That would be nice. That would yeah. be super nice. We'll I just... mean, also, like, the city would be immediately in flames if everyone just fell asleep. So, <laughs> yeah. like, I feel like the stoves have turned off. Yeah, just maybe for, it was just, just like candles or yeah. something else that caused this fire. Annabeth begins to explain to Percy why Hermes was mad at her before, which is classic Annabeth, being like, hey, this thing that happened a couple chapters ago, here's what's going on now. But Percy tells her to just rest. She says that she wants to tell him. And she admits that Luke did come to see her last year in San Francisco. Percy, of course, does not love this. Not feeling this. He checks to see if it was in person at her house. And then she says that it was. And it was before the labyrinth. And it was before, but then she trails off. And Percy knows that what she was going to say was that it was before he turned into Kronos. Mm. 
Annabeth explains that he came under a truce and said that he just wanted to talk for five minutes. He looked scared and he relayed that Kronos planned to use him to take over the world. He told Annabeth that he wanted to run away like the old days and he wanted her to come with him. And now knowing this information, I really am tempted to reread book four and just kind of like see if there's any new information. Classic mm. if like you watch something or read something with a plot twist and they're like, oh, I want to see if those seeds were planted. I want to see if that could kind of inform some of the decisions because I felt like Annabeth was being kind of weird at times in book four and I wonder if with this information it makes that more clear. Yeah, because you definitely have like Percy during that book kind of being like, oh, here we go, it's about Luke again. It's mm -hmm. like, well, maybe maybe Annabeth has some context she's holding back. Right, so I wonder if that is something that would, you know, kind of show itself in the writing. Also, like, it does feel like a little bit late for Luke to be like, I think Kronos is using me to take over the world. Right. Like, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that's been clear, my guy. Yeah, I do have a bit more sympathy for him, but I do yes, think it's yeah, a little bit yeah. of like, oh, because I'm very like, much. Yeah, like if he was yeah. like, if he was having these kind of worries, like in book two or book three, 100%. sure. But by uh -huh. book four, you're like, you should know what the score is at this point. Yeah, book one, we'll take it. You're falling under the guise of a trickster type titan mm -hmm, yeah mm -hmm. book two all right you're getting into the ship thing you're in a position of power now that's fun book three that's your last chance yeah, exactly like by the time when cronus is like oh hey we're just about ready to destroy the world luke can't go whoa wait a second well, hold on what's this now? that wait that's what you wanted to do i'm sorry what yeah and i have to have golden eyes now yeah so i just i feel like you are exactly right little a uh, little bit of a too little too late situation Percy then says to Annabeth, but you didn't trust him. And Annabeth says, of course not. She thought that this was all a trick. And then she goes on to say, plus, dot, dot, dot. Well, a lot of things had changed since the old days. Wondering exactly what that means, but I'm not 100% certain. Yeah. Annabeth explains to Percy that she told Luke no way. And then he said, well, you might as well fight me now because this is the last chance she'll get. And Luke, big weirdo, big weirdo. Super strange move yeah. to be like, oh, if we're not going to get along, why don't you just try to fight me right now? Also, like, not a truce at that point. <laughs> no, yeah. I'm here under a truce. Actually, let's fight. Let's fight. Yeah. <laughs> Annabeth begins to sweat from her forehead, so Percy tells her to stop telling the story and to just rest. But she proceeds, saying that Hermes was right. She thinks that she could have changed his mind if she went with him. Either that or she could have killed Luke because he was unarmed, which is quite a different situation. Like, yeah, either could have talked him down or I could have murdered him. Also, also like, I like Annabeth. She couldn't have done it. Yeah. I mean, Absolutely not. Couldn't it, have done it at that point. No, he feels like it, at best case, you're going to have like a draw yeah. in there. Yeah. You know, it's going to be the contractual obligation of Dwayne The Rock Johnson and Vin Diesel in the Fast and the Furious movies exactly. where like they legally have to end every fight in a draw. Yeah. That's yeah. the best case right. scenario, I feel like. <laughs> so she says that was a possibility. She tells Percy that Luke said Cronus would use him, quote, like a stepping stone. And Percy goes, yeah, he did that, <laughs> which yep. is great. Annabeth wonders if Luke's body is just a transition for Cronus and if a more powerful form lies ahead. And that feels likely. This has been alluded to in the past. And I feel like we are going to get like Cronus 2 electric boogaloo, where it's going to be like bigger, <laughs> scarier. It feels, and I keep making the Kingdom Hearts references in this pod, but I feel like it's going to be like when you have Anthony inside of Riku and then you have big giant scary Ansem. I feel like we are approaching big giant scary Kronos. And I'm I don't a normal like it. person so I don't understand that reference. <laughs> normal person. Yeah. Kingdom Hearts is great. <laughs> it's it's great but you're all a bunch of weirdos. We, uh, look, 
is confusing, but it's fun. That's half the fun, yeah. wondering what is happening. Percy starts thinking back to all of the book four stuff, like Janice saying that Annabeth would have to make a major choice, and Pan saying that she will play a great role, but not necessarily the one that she imagined. Percy tries to muster up the courage to ask her about the Hestia vision, but before he can do so, Connor Stoll enters the terrace. And it doesn't look like he comes bearing good news. He states that Mrs. O'Leary is back with Grover and Percy needs to talk to him immediately. Grover is snacking in the living room and I really wanted to know what snack it was. Don't worry, we get informed. <laughs> Grover is dressed up in armor made out of tree bark and the Demeter cabin apparently made a whole buffet and I thought, oh, okay, that's what he's snacking on. Nope, Grover's eating the furniture. Why not? He eats trash, he eats recyclables, he eats furniture. Makes yeah. sense. But this furniture, particularly delicious. It's fancy. Percy reminds him that they are just borrowing this hotel, but Grover apologizes, saying that he couldn't resist eating the Louis XVI furniture, and his nervous habit is eating furniture. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. we all have our nervous habits. Also, like, so many times Percy during this battle has been like, if we lose, it's the end of New York City anyway. So it's like, now seems like a, an opportune time to like pick on Grover and be like, you have to eat the furniture. It's like, come on, man. You've been like, I just broke a bridge. Yeah, like, he... let's, let's chill with like where the importance is on what's being broken or eaten. You're right. They're stealing phones. They're yeah. stealing Vespas. They're breaking the Williamsburg Bridge. But I draw the line <laughs> at the Plaza Hotel's yeah. furniture. Yeah. I feel like the Plaza Hotel is good for it. They're fine. Grover asks about Annabeth. Percy says that she'll be okay. Grover says that he's mobilized most of the nature spirits, but some didn't want to listen to him and apparently launched acorns at him in attack. Grover then describes some of the fights that took place in Uptown, where they don't have as many forces. There was a dragon in Harlem that they defeated, but a dozen nymphs lost their lives along the way. And at this point, I'm thinking, my long-established Junipers the Spy theory doesn't feel great anymore. Mm. It didn't feel great at many points during it, but at this point especially, I feel like I would have needed Grover to come back and be like, the nymphs are evil. Like, because if... If they're all good for the most part, safer if you, I would find it hard to believe that Juniper would just be like, I'm the one evil nymph. Mm. So I don't know. We'll have to see. But I still have no idea who the spy is. Do you have any guess of the spy is if you haven't already learned who no, it is? No, I, I have not learned. I really don't have an idea. I do think that it would be a wild twist if it was Annabeth, but it also <laughs> feels like that's probably not it. Yeah, right, I don't think um, it is. In the last episode, I mentioned like I feel like there is definitely a lot more up with Rachel than we've been let on so uh -huh. far. But yeah, I don't really have a good, like no one is doing particularly anything shady. Yeah. Like that's, that's the problem. Like mm -hmm. no, there's, and as you said, maybe in book four, things that have been revealed now might be more clear. Mm -hmm. Maybe reading book five again after we know who the spy is, it'll be very obvious. Sure. But like, I don't get the vibes from anybody. I don't either. Maybe there is no spy. Oh, the spies, the friends we made along the way. <laughs> mm -hmm. I, or yeah. I guess the enemies we made along the way. <laughs> Thalia enters the room, nods at Percy, and then goes to check in on Annabeth. Grover says that 20 satyrs, nearly half of his crew, were lost taking down a giant at Fort Washington. Thalia says that Cronus is gathering forces at every bridge and tunnel, but it's not just him. Some hunters saw a man in golden armor forming an army on the Jersey Shore. And we've had reference to a titan dressed in gold, mm -hmm. and they haven't named him yet, but I think that might be Hyperion, because I think he's like the titan of the sun and stuff, based on me doing the mythology episode and talking about that, because he was referenced a little bit in book four, so maybe it's him? I'm not sure, but some 
somebody in golden armor is forming an army on the Jersey Shore. Now, I have a couple of notes here. First off, Thalia says, on the Jersey Shore, it's down the Jersey Shore. There's only one direction to go to the Jersey Shore. You go down the shore, and that's it. You live south of New Jersey, you're going down the shore. You live west, you're going down the shore. It's always down the shore. But two, I need to know which beach in New Jersey, because mm. each beach on the Jersey Shore has a very different vibe. Everyone may have seen or at least heard of the documentary series Jersey Shore. <laughs> yep. My friends and family live very close. I was there when they were filming it, and that particular beach is very bro and stuff, but nearby beaches, like, one's more about surfing, one's more for, like, tourists, Last one's more for Last year, you took locals. me down to the Jersey Shore. Yeah, we went to Asbury Park. Like, that's a whole different thing. My aunt's in Belmar. Belmar is, like, a very chill thing. So whatever beach it is could play a major factor. Maybe I could give insight to Percy and the army. Yeah. <laughs> Call me in. Put me in, coach. But anyway... I'll have to talk to Uncle Rick about this in the future. Percy does think that this is the golden unnamed Titan, which I think might be Hyperion, but we will have to see in the future. Percy to Thalia then says, great, any good news? Which is great since it's just been bad, 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 bad all the time. Thalia says that they sealed off Manhattan-bound subway tunnels, and she also notes the whole waiting until evening thing that they picked up before with Kronos seeming like he only wants to fight in the night. She guesses that Kronos needs to recharge before each fight because he's still getting used to his Luke form, and it takes a lot of energy to slow down time across the entire city. So multiple reasons for needing to recharge. Grover adds that many of the evil forces get more powerful at night anyway. I'm guessing just vibes because they're evil at night is spooky. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, as you know, nothing good ever happens after 2 a.m. Yeah, so yeah, like, yeah. that's okay. why, because right. that's what all the bad guys come makes out. Makes sense, makes sense, makes sense. Percy asks if there's been any update from the gods. Thalia shakes her head, saying that she knows Artemis and Athena would be here if they could, but Zeus won't let them leave. Last she heard, Typhon is destroying the Ohio River Valley. Is that in... Ohio? Is it's, that yeah, near it's, it's here? Down, What's going down, on? It's down south. Down south in near Appalachia. Okay. Yeah. Would by the Ohio be, River. Were you crushed to read that Typhon was doing this? Were you like, <gasps> my homeland? Uh, no. Oh, you okay. <laughs> no love for Appalachia, Cleveland I mean, no, lots of, not lots of love. It just didn't crush me. Like, if they were like, and then Cleveland fell, I'd be like, that's a bummer for me. <laughs> but, but like, I mean, it's beautiful down there, but it, it ain't my part of Ohio. Gotcha, gotcha. So she continues saying that he will reach the Appalachian Mountains by midday. Percy postulates that, at best, they have two days before he arrives. Jake Mason then clears his throat, which startles Percy because he was so quiet that Percy forgot that he was in the room. And then he relays that Kronos seems to know the team's plans. Again, the spy. Someone is sharing the information. Can I circle back real quick to Appalachia? Yes, You know how it. old the Appalachian Mountains are? As old as Earth? They're older than sharks. <laughs> <laughs> Do describe. Yeah, I, I mean, I, this was a TikTok, so I don't know how true it is. Let's be very clear. But like, they're like, here's how old Appalachia is. And it just went through all the things that we know, like we could carbon date back to like before the formation of Appalachia. And mm -hmm. it's like sharks, trees, like everything. It's like one of the oldest mountain ranges, it turns out. It's just been there basically since it started. Cool. Yeah. That's fun. Fun facts here on the yeah. pod. Yeah. Thanks for the info. Back to <laughs> the book though. No, I genuinely love yeah. it. I'm always here for the tangents. I'm all about it. Now, Percy is startled by Jake Mason 
And then he goes on saying, Kronos just feels like he knows the plans. His justification is that the forces avoided the Lincoln Tunnel where the hunters were, and they chose the Williamsburg Bridge as if he knew Percy would be there. So Percy thinks this has got to be the spy. Thalia goes, what spy? Percy explains the whole situation, and she thinks that's very bad because the spy is coming from inside the house. <laughs> that's how they work. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Jake said it could be anyone since they were all there when Percy gave orders. Grover asks what they can do aside from search every person for a scythe charm just to see if they have it on them. Everyone looks to Percy for an answer and he says that they just have to keep fighting and they cannot divert any focus onto the spy because if the team is suspicious of each other, they will destroy themselves from within. And you know what? That's great leadership. I think that's the right call because you're just going to destroy any sort of team chemistry if you're trying to figure out who the spy is. Unless there's some sort of clue. But if it's just like yeah, interrogation yeah. No, type no, stuff. You, yeah, they're probably right. You're probably right. You need some team morale. I mean, how, how many demigods are fighting? 40. 40? I could see it going either way. But I think, <laughs> I think you're probably right. I think you're probably right. You could right. maybe assign someone that you trust to yeah. just kind of like chit chat, small talk with all yeah, of it's them. It's definitely going to, I think it would hurt morale more than like team like cohesion. Because mm -hmm. once you search everybody and if no one has it, then you're fine. Yeah. Then you can be like, okay, we don't have a spy, I guess. Mm -hmm. uh, but like everyone like after a battle and then be like, okay, it's time for the strip searches. <laughs> That's not going to be yeah. fun after mm -hmm. you've just kind of lost a little bit of a fight on the bridge. Mm -hmm. Percy going on says, quote, you guys were awesome last night. I couldn't ask for a braver army. Let's set up a rotation for the watches. Rest up while you can. We've got a long night ahead of us. Good leader. He's really thriving in this yeah. role. The demigods disperse. Thalia tells Percy that he should rest as well, meaning he's going to sleep, meaning dream time. <laughs> he realizes that he does need to sleep, so he crashes and then immediately falls asleep and, of course, does have some dreams. So let's get into those dreams. Percy sees Nico alone in the gardens of Hades, and he has just finished digging a hole in one of Persephone's flower beds. And, you know, it doesn't seem like Nico's gotten into gardening. I was worried he was going to start doing what he normally does with holes, which is pour stuff in and chant some stuff. What does he do? Pour stuff in and chant some stuff. This time, he has opted for wine, and he chants, let the dead taste again, let them rise and take this offering. Maria D'Angelo, show yourself. Did not see this one happening, but... I am ready to go because I also want to know what's up with his mom. Yeah, if you want me to wake up, just a glass of wine definitely is what helps me. Mm -hmm. That's how you start not, the not, day, not, right? Not, just not a the big... sleepiest of all alcohols. <laughs> just get up, slap the bag. Yeah. Good morning, world. You give me, you give me a, you give me a shot of vodka. I'm up. You give me a glass <laughs> of wine. I am immediately going back to bed. <laughs> so a figure does appear, but it's not Maria. It's a Maria lobster. No, it's Bianca, and she warns Nico not to summon their mother, as she is the one spirit that he is forbidden to see. And I'm again very, very intrigued here. Nico asks why not, asks what is Hades hiding. Bianca answers, pain, hatred, a curse that stretches back to the Great Prophecy, which is very interesting. Do we know when the Great Prophecy was made? Vaguely during World War II. Right, because that's when the whole pact was formed. Yes. Yeah, okay. So we, I don't know that we have an exact date, but it's that time, and that does get referenced a little bit yeah, here yeah. on. That I just can't remember sometime. if it was like before or after Percy's birth or around that yeah, time. Yeah, definitely earlier. Definitely earlier. Definitely right? earlier. Yeah, yeah. So she goes on to say, the knowledge will only hurt you. Remember what I said, holding grudges is a fatal flaw for children of Hades. One, did she say this? I don't remember her ever saying this. Did no, she, yeah. She she did? Yeah, they, okay. they definitely have this conversation. I think- The she, other time she comes yeah, back and yeah, he's I like- Yeah, I can't remember exactly. I think it might've been in the other 
book. I think it might have been it, yeah, one. Triple so G alive. Ranch. I think. Yeah, exactly. Okay, yeah, that okay. sounds about right. Okay. The other thing I was wondering is the fatal flaw of every demigod the same for their siblings, or does it depend on the person? Like, I'm, I am interested about just like how fatal flaws work. My guess is that the gods all have their fatal flaws, kind of, and they are easily given to their children. Yeah. So, like, you need to, like, be careful. Like, it's like cholesterol. Like, like, <laughs> yeah, like yeah. Your, your, your parents have high cholesterol. You should be careful mm -hmm. about your cholesterol. You might not have high cholesterol, but you should be careful because it's a genetic thing. Yep. I think it, yes, fatal flaws are genetic. There That's you go. That's my theory. There you go. No, yeah. And then maybe it depends on your mortal parent as well mm -hmm. and stuff like that, or at least, like, your fatal flaws in, like, a big wheelhouse of, like, similar things yeah. but could be, like, specific within them. Yeah, okay. I can see it. Nico says that he knows and that he's not the same as he used to be. He tells Bianca to stop trying to protect him. Bianca says he doesn't understand, but then Nico wipes away her visage. And then I wrote in my notes, no, come on, the plot. But <laughs> what he does actually helps way more with the plot. So it's okay. He again tries to summon his mom and a scene forms out of the mist instead of a person. And it's Nico and Bianca as children playing in a hotel lobby, a very nice, fancy hotel lobby. There's a woman on a nearby sofa wearing a black dress, gloves, and a black veiled hat like she's a 1940s movie star, which is similar to what she has been described like in the past. I think maybe only in the Demigod Files though. So I think they might be doing this description again, just in case you didn't read book four and a half. So I didn't. There you go. So you get that description just in case you don't know. Then it says next to her is, quote, a large oily man in a black pinstripe suit. Does oily mean hair or face or just vibe? I didn't know what an oily man meant. I mean, I think it's kind of like, I think it's a bit of all three. Yeah. I think it's like the slicked back hair. Mm -hmm. Like, you'd probably just need like a Nitrogena wipe on your sure, face. Sure, sure, yeah. Mm -hmm. And then you also just kind of seem like a, maybe a slimy character. And like, like you might be an oil baron. So be, yeah, yeah, you just, might be an oil baron. You got baron, a monocle. Yeah, yeah it's all sorts exactly. of, all sorts of bad He'll side. drink your milkshake, all that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Narrative Percy says, quote, with a shock, I realized it was Hades. And I was wondering, is he being sarcastic here? Because I thought this was painfully obvious that this was Hades. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's pretty obvious, but uh, you know. <laughs> He's 16. Sometimes, it's, sometimes, sometimes it just, you, you miss something immediately. Yeah, sometimes it's a whoosh. So he then sees Hades leaning in towards Maria, talking with his hands as if he's agitated or Italian. <laughs> but he is telling Maria that she must come to the underworld no matter what Persephone thinks because he can keep her safe. And she, because she is canonically Italian, like she's from Italy, she has an Italian accent, as Percy notes, and says that she will not. She refuses to raise their children in the land of the dead. Hades explains that the war in Europe has turned the gods against him, and a prophecy has been made that puts his children in danger. Says that he was forced into an agreement with Poseidon and Zeus, and he can never have children ever again. Maria reminds him that he already has Nico and Bianca, thinking that they should be an exception, but Hades says that the prophecy warns about children who turn 16. Zeus ordered the children to be brought to Camp Half-Blood for, and then in his words, in italics, proper training. <laughs> but he thinks that that means that they're just going to be heavily watched and made to turn against their own father. He's afraid that Zeus might even just find a way to destroy them to avoid the risk of them turning 16. So, He's definitely paranoid about the situation, but I do think justified given everything we've ever seen about Zeus in this series. Yeah, yeah. 
Maria says that they should stay together, but doesn't say that they should go to the underworld. She calls Zeus un imbecile, which is Italian for an imbecile. Oh. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Hades says the deadline to turn over the children was last week, so he fears Zeus's wrath and thinks that he's not going to be able to hide Maria forever. You think he'd be better at dead lines. Ah, nice, 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 nice. We do get the vibe that he's probably had this conversation with Maria multiple times before, mm -hmm. but yeah, yeah at yeah. first it is kind of like, dude, why didn't you tell her more than a week ago then? Yeah. <laughs> but yes, deadlines. He should be the god of deadlines, shouldn't he? Yeah, like, come yeah. on. He thinks that as long as she is with the children, she is in danger too. Maria smiles and reminds Hades that he is a god and he will protect them, but she refuses to bring Nico and Bianca down below. Hades suggests an alternative, taking the children to a place in the desert where time stands still, the Lotus Casino. He could send the children there for a bit for their own safety, and then Hades and Maria could still be together. He offers to build her a golden palace near him in Styx. Seems like a nice situation. Yeah, not Golden too bad. house, not too, not too bad, could be worse. Maria laughs and calls Hades kind and generous and wishes that the other gods would see him the way that she does. She declines, saying that the kids need their mother and she trusts that the gods surely wouldn't hurt their children because they're children. And I wrote, you don't know these gods very well, do you? And then Hades immediately says, you do not know my family. <laughs> And he pleads with her, saying that he cannot lose her. But she says, you won't lose me, and then tells him to wait while she goes to get her purse. And given what happens next, not a great uh, line from her. You're not going to lose me. And then immediately, he dies. Yeah. She instructs him to watch the kids. She walks upstairs. He watches her, and with each step, it looks like it pains him more and more. And then he tenses up. The children do as well as if they can sense something, so I guess they can, like, sense death coming. He screams no, but his godly powers are not quick enough to defend everyone. He creates a black wall of energy that does safely form around the kids as the hotel explodes. I did not see this coming. No. That yeah. was a shock to me. Absolutely, just like, Whoa, okay, the stakes went up real quick. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The force of the blow is so severe that it causes the image of the dream little visage to dissolve, which feels very dramatic. But then it does come back into focus, and it shows Hades kneeling at the ruins, holding Maria just in his arms amidst fire all over the place, which is just a crushing scene. Then lightning flashes and thunder rumbles, so we know, hey, Zeus did this. And Nico and Bianca stare at their mother, not understanding what's going on because they are children. Electo then appears, and the children don't seem to notice her. Hades yells to the sky that he will make Zeus pay for this, and he promises to bring her back. But Electo tells him that he cannot because he, out of all of the gods, must respect the laws of death, so he can't just bring someone back from the dead because he likes them. Hades tells Electo to take the children to wash their memories clean in the lethe, which now makes a whole lot of sense about why Bianca and Nico can't remember their past. And then Electo is supposed to bring them to the Lotus where they will be safe from Zeus. So kind of now finally putting together the whole timeline of what happened to Nico and Bianca. Electo agrees and then asks what to do with Maria's body. Hades says to take her and to give her the ancient rites, and she disappears with them. And then a new voice says, I warned you, and I guessed Zeus, but it is definitely not Zeus. It is a young girl in a multicolored dress with black hair and sad eyes. Narrator Percy says that he doesn't know her, but she looks oddly familiar. 
Hades is shocked that she would come here, and he threatens to blast her to dust, which sounds intense. She says that that wouldn't work, as the power of Delphi protects her. And this gives Percy a light bulb moment, because with Delphi, and I completely forgot about this, but the Oracle is the Oracle of Delphi. So as we learned earlier, I think in this book, that the Oracle used to be young and then the spear would kind of transfer from person to person to person. So this is her younger, non-mummified form. Yep, yep. So Percy does note as the narrator that seeing her in this form is creepier than seeing the mummy form, just I guess because he's realizing the history of it yeah, all. Yeah, I guess he like finally is like, Oh, this is sadder than I realized. It was <laughs> it was creepy before. Now it's sad. <laughs> it's sad and creepy. Yeah. Like a good horror movie should be. Hades then blames her for Maria's death, saying that the prophecy is what sparked all of this. She explains that Zeus caused the explosion to try and destroy the kids because Hades defied his will. And this is something I noted. They never use any other word when talking about murdering children. They always say destroy. Just eliminate. Oh, just, yeah. It, both times in this chapter, destroy the children, which yeah. I guess it's a kid's book and it does sound grim, but, you know, it is kind of like, yo, Zeus is really bad. This is yeah. not cool stuff yeah you know as as we've said on the yeah. podcast like murdering children not good <laughs> not good verdicts didn't like him but look murdering kids i'm not gonna stand for it i'm putting my foot down yeah not good i agree <laughs> good <laughs> she explains that not only did she have nothing to do with this explosion but she also does say that she warned hades to hide the kids sooner so big oof she's like look man not my fault and also i don't know I told you that this was going to be a problem. Yeah. He bellowed. She's got the little piece of paper with the prophecy, just like in a pocket right now. She's just like, she's always just holding on to it. She's like, I got this. <laughs> Maybe. Don't forget about this. Maybe. I wonder. I don't know. Maybe it was like when she became more and more mummified, she was mm. like, oh, I better put this in this <laughs> little necklace. This. Otherwise, yeah. I don't know when my arms are going to work again, if ever. He bellows that he couldn't because Maria wouldn't let him. He also adds that the children are innocent, which is a great point that I don't think gets brought up enough, yeah. that these kids did nothing, nothing. wrong, nothing yeah. wrong at all. But the Oracle replies that they are still dangerous since they are his children. Even the Lotus Casino solution merely delays the inevitable. She says that they will never be able to rejoin the world unless they turn 16. Hades again blames this on the prophecy and blames her for forcing himself into an oath to have no future children. She counters that she foresees the future, but she cannot change the future, which is very valid. Yeah. She's, you know, the ultimate don't shoot the messenger type situation. Hades' eyes then light up with black flames, and he growls that he cannot bring back Maria or give the oracle an early death, but she still has a mortal soul and he can curse her. And then she says, you would not, but he swears that he will. He states that as long as his children are outcasts and as long as he must operate under the curse of her great prophecy, the Oracle of Delphi will never have another mortal host. The body will die and the spirit will be trapped inside. And then he says, you will speak your bitter prophecies until you crumble to nothing. The Oracle will die with you. This feels like some real like tax loophole stuff. He's like, I... <laughs> I've read the fine print about what I can do with death, and I know what your whole deal is with Delphi, and if I just do this, and, yep, you're a mummy now. Maybe he's also the god of legal ease. Yeah. 
She screams, and then the misty image rips apart. Nico falls to his knees, Nico, and now in front of him appears Hades. Hades hits him with a classic dad line. And just what do you think you're doing? (laughs) And then there is a black explosion in Percy's dream, and the scene changes. And now it's Rachel Elizabeth Dare. (gasps) The title of the chapter is Rachel Makes a Bad Deal. I wonder if we're going to learn about the bad deal. We do. She is walking along a beach. She's sporting a swimsuit and a sunburn. Why didn't she put on sunscreen? They've only been there for a day. She begins writing letters in the sand that Percy struggles to read at first, and he thinks that this is his dyslexia acting up, but then he notices she's writing in ancient Greek, which he cannot believe that she knows how to write. She writes the ancient Greek Perseus. Do you know how to? I don't speak ancient Greek. Do you speak any ancient no, Greek? No, I, I did not take ancient Greek. That's not your I was. Lingo. It was an option uh-huh, because yeah. I was studying to be a pastor. Uh, okay. So, But I ended up taking ancient Hebrew. Uh, How'd so, that go? Not great. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> she heard, I think I got C's. Ah, well, that could have been worse. Yeah, could have. She writes Perseus in Greek and then looks at it in shock and says, oh gods, that's what it means. And then she races back to her family and tells her dad they have to return to New York. He is confounded because they just got here. And Rachel Elizabeth Dare explains that there's trouble in New York and Percy's in danger. I wrote at this point in my notes, oh, I know what she's going to do. She's going to promise to go to that stuffy finishing school if her dad lets them leave right now. (laughs) You could call me the Oracle of Delphi. (laughs) Not that hard of a guess. Really not that hard of a guess. Mr. Dare asks if Percy called her and she says no, but she just has a feeling and she simply knows that he's in trouble. Mr. Dare says, your mother and I have been looking forward to this vacation for a long time. And Rachel Elizabeth Dare says, no, you haven't. You both hate the beach. You're just too stubborn to admit it. Immediate Uno reverse on him. I love it. It's just like, like, you don't like the beach. And I know. (laughs) You've activated my trap card. The truth. Yeah. But also, why are they going to the beach if they don't like it? Because that's what fancy people do. And it's all about keeping up with the Joneses. And you need to brag. You go skiing. There's plenty Mm. of other rich people vacationing spots. Why are these people going to the beach? I guess it's the summer, so guess, skiing would be hard unless they went to, I don't know, He's, Europe they or something. They seem rich. They could go to Europe. <laughs> they could go to Antarctica. They yeah. got a private plane. Exactly. Yeah. Mr. Dare doesn't want to hear it. Rachel Elizabeth Dare is stressed because she senses that the whole city's in danger. Mr. Dare says he would have heard if something was going on in the city. Okay, Mr. Important. (laughs) Rachel Elizabeth Dare says that he wouldn't have heard about this sort of thing. And she asks if he's gotten any calls since they arrived. He says no, but he chalks it up to it being a weekend in the summer. Because I guess business stops in the summer? Rachel Elizabeth Dare says that he always gets calls. So doesn't he think that this is a bit suspicious? And Mr. Dare hesitates but then says that they can't just leave because they spent a lot of money. And okay, Mr. Dare, you're supposed to be this great businessman and you don't know anything about the sunk cost fallacy? (laughs) I learned about that in my business minor classes, you idiot. (laughs) Rachel Elizabeth Dare says that Percy needs her because she needs to deliver a message and it's life or death. Mr. Dare asks what message she's talking about. She says that she can't tell him because it's only chapter 12. (laughs) Yep. And he says that she can't go if she won't tell him. Rachel Elizabeth Dare then makes the deal that I predicted. Mr. Dare is silent and then opens his phone, calls up someone named Douglas, and tells him to prepare the plane because they are heading back to New York immediately. Now, I, at this moment, said out loud while I was reading, Mr. Dare is terrible. 
I don't like this. There is a slight saving grace for Mr. Dare to not do the worst possible thing. If he does not actually take her up on the deal, I think it's better. Like I would hope the best case scenario is that it comes to the end and then Mr. Dare goes, no, you don't actually have to go to the school. And she's like, what? I made the deal. And then he would go, oh, because you offered this deal, I knew it was really important to you. So I, a good father now, decided that we can go back to New York. I don't know if he'll do this, but that's like the only way he can do this that doesn't suck so much. Because if he's actually going to take her up on this deal, that sucks a lot. We'll just have to see. Yeah, I've, I have no idea. Th- I feel like there's something about this guy that like, I feel like we need more info. And I feel like we're going to get more info. I mean, we did learn that he is single-handedly responsible for destroying yeah, yeah. nature. Yeah, no, we got that. But like, I want to know, like, I feel like there's like, we're, I feel like we're missing like the final piece of the puzzle to really okay. put together. Because I feel like she's, got, I, I still think there's a lot more going on with her. Mm-hmm. And I feel like maybe her dad is somehow related to all of that information. Mm-hmm. And yeah, maybe maybe he's the spy. Oh, yeah, that's may- not it. Maybe that's not it. Unless it is, <laughs> blink at me if that's it. Don't blink at me. Maybe his initials. Maybe his name is like Brian Andrew Dare, so that his initials spell bad, like how Rachel's but Dare's initials spell red. Yep. Now they say they're going to fly back to New York. We've learned that the wind gods are not letting any sort of anyone come in through the air. So I hope that they're okay. We're going to have to see what happens. Rachel's but Dare then gives Mr. Dare a big hug, and he looks surprised, as if she's never done this before. She promises to make it up to him. He says that she certainly will. Gross. Percy mutters, Rachel, no, in his sleep, and then is awoken by Thalia. She lets him know that it's late afternoon and they have visitors. He asks who, and she says that a titan wants to see him under a flag of truce. He has a message from Kronos. And I'm wondering, is this Bob the Titan from the Demigod Files? Is this Hyperion? Is this someone else? We'll have to see in chapter 13. A titan brings me a present. So... My guess was I'm thinking that Hyperion is here to try and negotiate something just because they keep mentioning the Golden Titan and there's too much hype for it not to be him. Ha ha, it is not him. But there was is that a, was there that is, a pun? Was that a pun? Did I did I pun? Yeah, you Hyperion? Yep. I was yep. wondering. I didn't want to force it, but okay. now it's here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Get hype for Hyperion. It's not him, though. <laughs> yeah, but I don't know because this Titan who does show up has like some sort of gold about him, but I mm. feel like when we saw the Titans before, there was Golden Titan and Tuxedo Titan, so I think that this is a separate guy, but we'll just yeah. have to see. Narrator Percy notes that they can see the white flag from half a mile away because it's as big as a soccer field and it's being carried by a 30-foot-tall giant with blue skin and gray hair. I'm not good at this. Percy is an expert at seeing something really far away and knowing how big it is. Is he, though? Do you know how big a flag would be that's the size of a soccer field? I mean, if you're 30 feet tall, like... That's a very big flag. Well, I did learn this from Ted Lasso. Not all soccer fields are the same size. So I thought soccer fields were regulation. They're not regulation, which is bonkers to me. I don't know. I mean, there's magic, though. Maybe it's real. I'm mostly just thinking, like, you'd have to have a real strong gust to get a flag the size of a soccer field. Yeah, it's just drooped down. That's my biggest problem. Just the 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 science of it. The flag design is a way off. Yeah, yeah. So they can see him carrying this. Thalia identifies this giant as a Hyperborean, a giant of the north. She doesn't love that they've sided with Kronos because normally they are peaceful. So not ideal. 
Percy is surprised that she's met them, and she said that they have a big colony of them in Alberta. She adds that he should avoid getting into a snowball fight with them if possible. Good advice. As the giant approaches, Percy sees they're also joined by a half-blood, an impusa, and a man in a tuxedo. Narrator Percy says that this couple, the Impusa and the Tuxedo Man, look like they're going to a Broadway show, minus her flaming hair and fangs. But that aside, yeah, she's in a black dress, he's in a black tux, they're going to Broadway, baby. The group then walks towards Heckscher Playground, which I got very excited about because one of my Central Park softball leagues plays at Heckscher Softball Fields, which are right across the walkway from the playground, so I know exactly what they're talking about. And then Percy asks Grover if the guy in the tux is the Titan. Grover confirms and says that he looks like a magician and he hates magicians because they usually have rabbits. And I wrote on my notes, he's scared of rabbits? And then Percy goes, you're scared of bunnies? <laughs> Feels weird from guy who loves nature, but Grover says that bunnies are bullies and they're always stealing celery from innocent satyrs. I, mean, I support I guess, it. Yeah. Makes sense. Now we have a lot of, a lot of rabbits in my neighborhood and I uh-huh. like them. Okay. My dog does not like them. Ah, so I mean, he he likes them as lunch. He's never. I was going to say he's never had one, so I don't. I get he doesn't know. But does he chase them like squirrels? He absolutely would if he could. For the first time in my life, I saw a dog actively chasing a squirrel in a park, and I was like, oh my gosh! I've never, you know, I've never seen a dog chase a garbage truck or bark at a mailman or whatever. So to see this thing, I was like, oh my! It it really does exist. Percy says that they'll work on his bunny phobia later, but for now, they must prepare for the guests who are here. The tux man steps forward, and Percy can see that he's about seven feet tall, so certainly above average, but still could play in the NBA. He has his black hair in a ponytail. He's got dark, round glasses and a face that's covered in small scratches. He has a very smooth voice, and he says, Percy Jackson, it's a great honor. And I liked this guy a little more because he didn't call him Percy Us Jackson, and usually evil people call him by his full legal name. Yeah. <laughs> the Impusa then hisses at Percy, and narrator Percy identifies the guy wearing the tux as Tux Dude, capital T, capital D. <laughs> tux Dude calls for her to sit on a nearby park bench. Percy didn't clock the demigod at first because he was wearing a different helmet, but it's our old pal, and by pal I mean person I despise, Ethan Nakamura. <laughs> the only saving grace of Ethan showing up is that his nose looks rough from when Percy hit him in the face a couple uh, chapters ago, and then he to Ethan says, hey Ethan, you're looking good. Great, <laughs> got him, got him. Great, 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 great diss. Tux Dude says that it's time for business and offers his hand for a shake, introducing himself as Prometheus. And I've heard of Prometheus before. I know that there's that Michael Fassbender movie called Prometheus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I know that he's supposed to be like the god who created mankind or whatever and gave them fire. And that's like where it starts and ends for me. But I can talk to Dr. Moy about this in the future. But also, I didn't realize Prometheus is a titan. I didn't know that. I knew he was some sort of figure, but I didn't know he was a titan. I don't... Even after reading as much of these, I'm not entirely sure, like, what the, like, line is between, like, Titan and God and, like, other people that are just mythologically special. From what I've learned from the most recent mythology checks that I did with Red from Overly Sarcastic Productions, Red was saying that, like, in Greek mythology, it's more blurry as, like, there's some Titans that are scarier and meaner and stuff, and then there's some that are, like, not as much, and then gods and demigods can have that, too, where, like, some demigods float into god territory, like Hercules, but in Percy Jackson, because there has to be some sort of rules, it's more rigid as, like, Titan, god, demigod, here are the teams. So I think... 
it's more fluid than mm-hmm. the books allow that makes for. Sense. But that he's at sense. least in this case, like yeah. on the Titan team, but he's like, no, I'm one of the good ones. Yeah. <laughs> Which, eh, gross. Percy replies, the fire stealer guy, the chain to the rock with the vultures guy. And I was like, I've heard about both of these things. Yeah. yeah. But I still got to talk to Dr. Boy. Prometheus touches the scratches on his face and responds, please don't mention the vultures. Fair. 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 Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't want Mm -hmm. that. But yes, I stole fire from the gods and gave it to your ancestors. In return, the ever-merciful Zeus had me chained to a rock and tortured for all eternity. He's got good jokes, which is not what you want when you want to hate someone. Percy begins to ask how he got free then, but Prometheus finishes the sentence and answers that Hercules rescued him years ago. He says that now he has a soft spot for heroes because some can be quite civilized. And Percy responds, unlike the company you keep, just zinger after zinger against Ethan Akamura. Got him. (laughs) Percy was looking at Ethan and for sure meant Ethan, but Prometheus thought he meant the Impusa because he goes, oh, demons aren't so bad as long as they're well-fed. And like, I get it. You wouldn't want them to be underfed. I can get a bit, you know, testy when I'm hungry. I go more into like autopilot mode when I'm hungry. So like I can kind of get it. Gotta keep them well fed. Prometheus motions for Percy to sit with him at a picnic table. Thalia and Grover stand behind him. Great bodyguards. Love it. The giant puts down the flag and tries to play in the playground, but breaks it. Then he accidentally steps on a fountain and breaks it. And then the water turns to ice and he goes, oh no. And Percy notices that he's got loads of large carnival-style stuffed animals attached to his waist, and this guy reminds Percy of Tyson, which makes him not want to have to fight him or his brethren. Yeah. And this made me realize, I miss Tyson. It's been too many chapters without Tyson. Yeah, we haven't had Tyson in a while. He hasn't been around since chapter two. I also, I like this crew. I know that they're bad guys, kind of, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. like, I like them. And yeah, like, by the end of this chapter, I'm like, I don't know, man. That's, I don't know. That's how you know Prometheus is a good villain. He's yeah. like, he of all the, you know, silver-tongued villains. He's one of the few where by the end, I'm like, I mean, I mean, you know, but. I don't even like, I'm, I'm, I mean, we'll get into it, but like, I don't even think he's a villain. I think he's like a neutral guy who's just on the villain side, which maybe makes him a villain. Yeah, but, I mean, yeah. if you're rooting for the bad guys, you, you might get lumped in with the bad guys. Yeah. Prometheus exudes kind, earnest, and wise energy as he tells Percy that his position is weak and he must know that they cannot withstand another attack. Percy just replies, we'll see, which is a great negotiating tactic. Never give in, initially. Prometheus looks like he's in pain, like he cares for Percy and informs him that he is the titan of forethought, so he knows what will happen. Grover interjects that he's also the titan of crafty counsel with the emphasis on crafty. Prometheus admits that this is true, but reminds Grover that he supported the gods in the last war because he knew that Kronos couldn't cut it. He says he knows how to pick the winning side, and this time he's back in Kronos, so that should probably alert them that they're not looking good. Percy thinks that this is just revenge for Zeus chaining him to a rock, and Prometheus admits that that is part of why he is on the team. He does want revenge, but it's not the only reason for his support of Kronos. He's doing it because it's the wisest reason. He explains that he is here because he thinks Percy might listen to reason, and then he draws a map on the table with his finger, and gold lines follow. And I wrote at this, what is he, King Midas? Uh, (laughs) He makes a map of Manhattan and shows where their armies are located. He states that their forces are growing daily, and though Percy's side has fought bravely, they will be overtaken tonight. They will have to retreat to the Empire State Building, and that is where they will be vanquished. He has seen it happening as such. Percy thinks about Rachel Elizabeth Dare's painting in the Oracle, saying that she can see the future but not change it, and the narrative Percy admits that Prometheus speaks with such certainty that it's hard not to believe him. 
Percy says that he won't let it happen. Prometheus tells him that he's simply refighting the Trojan War. He explains that patterns of history repeat themselves, and that's the case here. A great siege, two armies, but the only difference is that Percy is defending, and his side is Troy. And he asks Percy if he knows what happened to the Trojans, and Percy responds, so you're gonna cram a wooden horse into the elevator of the Empire State Building? Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> Which is perfect, and I don't think it's a joke. I think Percy's being sincere. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I genuinely is like he's like he hasn't taken English and gone to metaphor yet. He's just like, oh yeah, yeah. What are you gonna do? What are you gonna do? <laughs> and that won't work at all. I've been in that elevator twice. <laughs> Prometheus smiles and tells Percy that Troy was completely destroyed, and Percy wouldn't want that to happen to New York. And he says that if Percy stands down, New York will be spared, and his forces granted amnesty says that he'll personally assure his safety, and he tells Percy to just let Kronos take over Olympus because Typhon's gonna destroy the gods anyway, so what's the harm? Percy says he wouldn't trust that Kronos would actually spare the city. Prometheus explains that Kronos solely wants Olympus because the power of the gods is tied to their seats of power, citing what happened to Poseidon when his underwater palace was attacked, and Percy winces at the thought of his old, frail father from before. This is the point where I definitely, like, lose Prometheus's argument a bit, because it's mm -hmm. like, I don't trust Cro Like, yeah. you might be saying a lot of true things that maybe you do have the power of foresight for. Sure. But, like, what you're like, yeah, Cronus will be chill. Yeah. Cronus will be chill. Yeah. Like, no, he won't. Exactly. No, he won't. You he, can't speak He took for over him. against body. He's not going to be chill at all. <laughs> I agree. He is not the only person you're dealing with. If you're just dealing yeah. with Prometheus, maybe. But when he's on behalf of someone that you cannot trust. Mm -hmm. And then also Typhon. Like, what? what? He's just big fire dude. Like, you can't. Uh-uh. Yeah. No way. No way at all. Prometheus goes on that he knows it must be hard for Percy, and he says that the gods will fade when Kronos destroys Olympus. They will become weak enough to be defeated, and Kronos wants to do this while Typhon is to the west, but he adds that the best that everyone on Percy's side can do is just slow them down, and eventually Typhon's going to get to New York, and it's game over when he gets there, and it'll just be messier. Thalia pounds the table, says that she serves Artemis and will fight into her last breath, and all of the hunters will do as well. And she checks that Percy's not going to actually listen to, quote, this slime ball. Percy thinks that he's going to blast her, but he just smirks and commends her for her bravery, addressing her by full name. And Thalia says that Grace is her mother's surname, and she doesn't use it. And I knew her last name was Grace, but I don't know if it's because I know, like, some fandom-y things outside of just reading the books. Was it ever said before? I don't recall it ever being said before this moment, but I shotgun these books in like a month and a half. So like, it's <laughs> very likely I just forgot. Okay. But yeah, cool. I, I don't I don't remember. I feel like it was always just her first name being said. I would guess so. I don't think the only Rick Riordan would lie to us. Yeah, and the, the only adults that ever really mention her are like Chiron when mm -hmm. they're talking about the tree and stuff and whatnot. So like, yeah, I don't think it ever gets brought up. No, I don't think so as well. So Percy says that he had never heard this before. He thinks that it makes her less mysterious and powerful that she isn't just like, mononymatic like Beyonce or Cher. Prometheus recenters the conversation and says that he doesn't need to be at odds with Percy because he's always been a helper of mankind. Thalia calls it a lot of minotaur dung, explaining, quote, when mankind first sacrificed to the gods, you tricked them into giving you the best portion. You gave us fire to annoy the gods, not because you cared about us. So calling him out for his uh, shenanigans. Prometheus says that she doesn't understand. He helps shape their nature. And then he makes a lump of clay appear in his hands and he fashions it into a doll. And then it begins to stumble around. He states, 
that he's been whispering in man's ear since the beginning of humankind. He represents their curiosity, exploration, and inventiveness. He wants Percy to help him help them. He promises to give humanity a new gift if he does, a new revelation that will move them as far forward as fire did. It could be this new advancement that the gods would never allow, and it could be a new golden age. He says either that or, and then he smashes the clay for dramatic effect. Yeah. Which is like, yeah, it's convincing, but you're still being very conniving, so I don't really trust you here. What is this new thing? Tell me what it is. Don't, it's, like, hide it behind a closed door. It's the Apple Vision Pro, my guy. Oh. <laughs> For a mere $3,500, you can look like a dweeb. He says that Percy must understand that not all offspring of the Titans are evil, citing Calypso, and Percy says, that's different, and he gets red <laughs> in the face. That's different, she's cute. <laughs> He asks how, because like him, she did nothing wrong but was exiled just because of her parentage. He says that they are not his enemies and warns him not to let the worst happen because they offer them peace. Percy turns to Ethan and says, he must hate this, and Ethan's confused. And Percy explains, well, if we go through with this, you can't get any revenge. You couldn't kill us, and isn't that what you want? And Ethan says that all he wants is respect, and the gods never wanted to give him that. And Ethan says, they just wanted me to go to Camp Half-Blood and spend my time cramped in the Hermes cabin because I'm not important and I wouldn't be recognized. And Percy thinks that he sounds just like Luke when Luke tried to kill Percy in the woods with the scorpion four years ago. Percy then, man, he, you thought he was ripping on Ethan before. Oh, baby. Percy says, your mom's the goddess of revenge. We should respect that. And then Ethan goes, Nemesis stands for balance. When people have too much good luck, she tears them down. And he goes, which is why she took your eye? And he says, it was payment in exchange. She swore to me that one day I would tip the balance of power. I would bring the minor gods respect. And an eye was a small price to pay. And he goes, great mom. <laughs> I, I... This is the first time I, like, at least kind of get Ethan's perspective. Because, like, sure. it is kind of unfair that, like, the minor gods, like, you still get sent to Camp Half-Blood. Mm -hmm. But then you're like, and here's the cabin with everybody else. It's just yeah. like, they could have just made, like, a minor god cabin for everybody else at the very least. Yeah, and then maybe they have, like, a rotating cast of gods coming in. Like, hey, it's me, Janice. Time for some riddles. Yeah, yeah you know. Yeah, like, overall, Ethan has made lots of bad decisions. <laughs> but at this one moment, I'm like... Yeah, that's fair. That's yeah. fair. Yeah, it's, it's one of the, the misguided villains of like, you're in a bad situation. You might be going about this in yeah. the wrong way, yeah. though, of trying to fix it. So Percy says, great mom. Ethan says, at least she keeps her word, unlike the Olympians. She always pays her debts, good or evil. And Percy goes, yeah, so I saved your life, and you were paid me by raising Kronos. That's fair. <laughs> Ethan grabs for his sword. Prometheus stops him and then studies Percy and knows that Percy is bothered by what happened to Luke. And he also knows that Hestia didn't show Percy the full story. Story. So he reaches out and boops Percy on the forehead to give him the full story. And that is where this episode of The Newest Olympian will end for now. And that's where this portion of the live show will end for now. I'm sorry, there's only so much time at this stage that they have. But if you're listening to the podcast, we are going to break for the mid-roll break, The Cash Olympian. Let's all say goodbye to the podcast, people. Hello and welcome to the Cash Olympian Shubio edition once again here to talk about stuff with this episode and this podcast that you are listening to the new Olympian. Let's get into it first and foremost. Yes, as mentioned in the episode and as you may be hearing in the background or at least not anymore, you may have heard it for the first 30 minutes of the show or so. There was a very loud K-pop concert going on in the same venue where we were performing and it was from Tri-B. I had never heard of them, but... 
they were loud and I'm not going to lie. It was very distracting and I'm very proud of myself for fighting through and being able to read through while the K-pop music was very loudly audible in the room. So hopefully you enjoyed the slight K-pop undertones of the first 30-ish minutes of the episode, but they were not there for the last 30 or so and they are not during the Q&A as well. Now let's talk about the podcast. There is another live show coming up at the end of this month, September 28th, 2023. We are doing a live show in Vienna, Virginia, the DC Metro metropolitan area. I'm going to be joined by Delia Gallegos as our guest, and I believe we will be covering Percy Jackson, The Ultimate Guide, the spinoff book. I'm very excited to get into that and see what all is inside of this little companion novel slash novella slash whatever the heck the book is. I don't know. It's got a cool flap. I'm very excited to cover that. And then we have two live shows coming up in October, back to back Philadelphia, aka Doylestown on October 21st and the New York City on October 22nd. Those will be movie episode shows. So the way those are going to work is in Philly. We're going to have Adam Amawala as our representative of person who has only seen the movies and never read the books. And then Johnny Frolicstein will be our read the books and seen the movie guest. And we're going to get the full range of perspectives to see, okay, is this actually a bad movie or is it just a bad adaptation? And the reason we're mad at it is just because it's so different than the book. Like on its own, is it a fine film? Which I'm intrigued. I feel like a lot of people commenting, especially when I did the patron stream, a lot of people were like, yeah, I saw it before I read the books and I thought it was fine. And then I read the books and I realized how bad it was. So I'm intrigued to see if Adam has that perspective as well. And then in New York, it'll be a similar structure, but Sequoia Simone will be the person who has seen the movie and read the books. Adam will be there for both shows. He's also going to do a little stand-up set at the beginning of the show, which I'm really excited about. It's kind of like our opening act. So super stoked about that. Tickets for all of those shows are live at thenewsolympian.com slash live. I am trying to see if we can get them streamed, but I'm not positive quite yet. And also on Friday, September 8th, tickets for at least three of the Texas shows will be live. And I say at least three because a Houston show is happening. So currently on the docket right now, we've got shows coming up in December, Dallas on December 13th, Austin on December 15th, and San Antonio on December 17th. That San Antonio show will be with Stephen Parra, figuring out the guesting for the other two. But tickets for all of those will be live this Friday at thenewsolympian.com slash live. And then Houston, we're working up the details, but it will either be on the 19th or the 20th of December. And I'm not sure when tickets will be live for that. So just make sure you're following at News Olympian on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook to get an update about when tickets are live for those shows. But yeah, finally making a big old Texas run happen. I'm super stoked about it. Something that I'm also stoked about is all of the folks who have joined the Patreon recently. So many people joined for the stream, which has been a delight. And so many people stuck around, which is really cool. I really appreciate folks who were able to stay around. No problem if you didn't have the financial situation to stay beyond just watching the stream. That is okay. There is no wrong amount of support, even if you're unable to support. Just by listening to the show, I really do appreciate it. Don't feel like you have to give money on Patreon, but I'm very appreciative to the folks who do, and I want to give a shout out to 50 more people who have joined as is policy here. I only do 50 shout outs per episode because otherwise the mid-roll break would be way too long. So here's another 50 people who have joined recently. Shout out to our newest ultra god tier patrons, Neil, Will Buchanan, and Olivia Krenicki. And shout out to our newest mega god tier patron, Christine. Shout out to our newest super god tier patrons, Happy Birthday Ronya, Leia Elkins, and Tessa. Shout out to our newest god tier patrons, Guacamole Wagon, Jenny Redacted, Thinking of Names is Hard, Vanessa Jerakines, and then it says, the 
pronunciation for it in parentheses, and then it's Greek in a second set of parentheses. Jessica T, Patrick Spitz, Chloe Houghton, Taylor Warner, Joanne Mathea Engelson, Excellent, Jack Bailey, Anna Sanchez, and Alfie Dodds. And shout out to our newest demigod tier patrons, W01, Shooby Dooby Doo, Sarah Seraptor, Ellen Margaret Andrews, Artemis Moonchild, Buckleberry Fairy, Katie, Simmer, pronounced Simmer, but spelled S-I-M-A-R and then S-I-M-M-E-R, Karen Hashi, French Toast 95, Rebecca Fabian, Pages and Pages, Sophia Kaler, Eben Berger, Erin Buck, Reagan, My Dead Gay Son, Athena Daughter 1962, Ignotus Kane, Sanchi Kalra, Senan Dolan, Moritz Winstosser, Hanasia Williams, Marina, Evelyn Spear, Jake J.D., Katrina, Rasmus Creston Vesgard Jensen, Stella Hudson, Sadie, Brooke Garnett, and Leah D. Also some name corrections for Austin Savat, Maddie Bysaw, and Maite Guevara. Thank you all so much for your support. May Athena bless you that you never have a really bad headache since she was kind of born out of Zeus's bad headache and sprouted from his brain. Hopefully she can bless you that you never have bad headaches. Now, if you're all caught up on the News Olympian and you're looking for some new podcasts to listen to, I make a whole bunch of podcasts. I'm an independent podcast boy. I think they're very good podcasts. And one of the shows I think you might enjoy is Horse. Now, I mentioned earlier in this mid-roll break Adam Amawala, my friend who is a professional stand-up comedian. He is also the co-host of Horse. Alongside me, we, every other Monday, discuss basketball things from the NBA and the WNBA. We talk about current things. We talk about history. We present the show in a way where if you have no idea what's going on with basketball, we are here for you. We also present the show in a way where if you know things about basketball and you just want a lighthearted basketball podcast, we are here for you too. We have no gatekeeping. We're open for all. And it's just a fun, silly time. You can listen to Horse wherever you get your podcasts by searching for Horse or going to our website, horsehoops.com. Now, before we wrap up here, you're going to hear words from a few sponsors who make it feasible for me to be a full-time podcaster. Some of those ads will be read by me. Others of them won't. The ones that are not read by me are inserted locally. So if you live in Pontiac, Michigan. Don't be surprised if you hear an ad where they actually say Pontiac, like not with a hard T. It's becoming a theme where I do shows in Toronto and Pontiac, and I learn from the folks there that you don't say the hard T, which makes sense because for me, the state capital of New Jersey is Trenton, not Trenton. So I totally get it. But once those ads are complete, we'll get back to this episode of the Newest Olympian. This episode of the New Olympians is brought to you by Tab for a Cause. Now, in these chapters, we have Percy dealing with titans on the precipice, is that the right word, I think, of war. War is about to come, and it feels like things are hopeless. And sometimes living in the current world we're in feels a little hopeless. But if you want to do something that can put a little good into the world in a very easy way, you could install Tab for a Cause. Tab for a Cause is something that you install by going to tabforacause.org slash TNO. You install it in your browser just after a couple of clicks, and then every time you open a tab, you will get a picture of a very pretty nature or architecture scene, and then you can customize that homepage. It'll have the time. You can add little widgets and stuff, and then you might see some ads in the corner, but those ads raise money for charity, and then you get to pick what charities they go to. There's a lot of great organizations. Sometimes they do timely things. I've been using it for years. It's really nice, and you're just going to open a lot of tabs if you're an internet person, like most of you are. You need to use the internet to listen to this podcast, so maybe you're a big internet user like me, and maybe you're a tab monster like me, and you open up a bunch of tabs and stuff throughout the day. Well, if you want to channel that energy into good, sign up for Tab for a Cause just in a couple of clicks by going to tab for a cause, T-A-B-F-O-R-A-C-A-U-S-E dot org slash T-N-O and get it going today. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Seeking the truth never gets old. 
Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook Games. And now we can close up the show with some Q&A before we have to leave. So we were sent in a bunch of fun questions. Thank you to everyone who sent them in. This first question is a great question, and it was sent in at 4.37 p.m., meaning that this person was like, I thought of this question, and I got to send it before the show. So shout out to Ashley sending in this question. says, hello, if you were to cast the Muppets in a Percy Jackson movie, (laughs) who would be what Muppet, and who would be the token character that stays in their original human form? Yeah. We will be answering no other questions. We're going to spend the correct amount of time on this, which could be an hour. Yeah. So, so Fozzie Bear is Tyson. Okay, yeah. Yeah, that's good. That's yeah. good. Do you have to, like, do we have to do, because it's a couple, does it have to be Kermit is Percy and then Miss Piggy is Anna? No, we don't have we to don't do have that. We don't have to do that. Okay, cool, 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 cool. They don't want us to. They don't so want we're going to keep want them on our side. Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> Oh, it is tough. That is a really good pick early yeah, on. Yeah, I think that that's the immediate one I think of. Who do we think? I'm trying to think if it's easier to go by now, Muppet or by Percy Jackson. What do you I was going to say Grover's Grover. Oh, okay. Yeah, but, but Grover's technically, I mean, did you mean Gonzo or? Because Grover, wait, Grover's a Sesame Street. But they're Muppets. But they are they're, Muppets. They like when they do Yeah, I know. They're Muppet not, he's not Christmas one of Muppets. But okay, but I do like Grover being Grover. Yeah. From vibes and name. Yeah. It's, it's, Who's it's, Rizzo okay. the Rat? Uh, okay, I guess he's like kind Luke. of like comedic. Weirdly, I feel like Rizzo the Rat is Blackjack. Yeah, okay. They like would kind of, at least yeah. how I envision Blackjack, they would like kind of talk the same and then they're kind of, you know, like the yeah. comedic relief, like along helping and stuff. And like yeah. Rizzo followed Gonzo all through uh, yeah. Christmas Carol Muppets edition. Yeah. So yeah. I could see that. Who do we think is going to be Percy? Yeah, that's tough. Do is we it just, just Kermit? It should just, the problem is whoever we make Kermit then you have to like somehow link Miss Piggy, and that's such a disservice you to, to you. You don't have to. Does okay? Does no. that not always happen? In, I mean, in the Muppet ones, yeah, but, but, but like, let's have fun. Okay, let's I not can, limit ourselves that. It's hard. probably yeah. easy to do. Kermit is Percy, unless yeah. we think of something else. Yeah. But I think it kind of like fits, and you know, Percy's a nice guy. Kermit's a nice guy. Yeah. Let's see. Who would Annabeth be if we're not gonna make? If we're not gonna be? make Miss Piggy Annabeth, Janice. Is that the, the girl from the band? Yeah, girl from the okay. band. I can see that. Okay, okay. Yeah. Who's Animal? <laughs> yeah, that's Which Percy question. Jackson character just like yells? <laughs> like one of the Titans? Yeah, <laughs> like is he Typhon? He's just like giant. Yeah, I can yeah. see him being Typhon. He's just like really big, yeah. destroying the Midwest. Yeah. Okay, okay. What's, Any, the, what's the bad? Is this any, just Mr. Teeth? Is that right? Mr. Teeth. Oh, what's, with the big golden yeah, tooth? Yeah, what's his name? Doctor, Doctor T. T. I knew it was. I forgot he got his doctorate. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. We can't discredit yeah. all those all the so that's you went through. That's, Solace. Who is that? Solace. Will Solace. Oh, Will Solace, the healer, yeah, the doctor. doctor. I like doctor. it. Yeah, that makes sense. That yeah. makes sense. That makes sense. I'm trying to think. Who would like? We've got we've got Thalia. We've got oh Sam Eagle is Zoe because she's like yes. such a like uptight yes, curmudgeon. Like really no, good. I have to. I can. We cannot have fun. We're the hunters. Yeah, like yeah. that would be Sam Eagle. Trying to think of anything. I'm trying to think who else. Luke would be. Who Luke? Yeah, is there? Rocco. Who's the? Which one is? Who's Rocco? Rocco. 
I don't know who Rocco, Rocco is. is. From the new Sesame Street, it's Elmo's arch nemesis. Oh, oh yes. Oh, the Rock. Okay. The Rock. Okay. Yeah, we can't yes. open the, the well, yeah, Sesame well, Street can of worms. Conversation. It's yeah. going to get too messy. Grover was early Sesame Grover Street, was just yeah. for the Grover joke. Okay. Um, um, yeah, I don't know. There's, will, who is the Swedish chef? <laughs> Ooh, the Swedish chef. Is it like Auntie M because she makes food? <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah. Okay. I was gonna say Chiron. Chiron, Chiron like the Swedish chef would be yeah. Chiron. Yeah, well, I, I don't guess, know why. I guess, well, Chiron does always talk in like vague nothings. So yeah. the Swedish chef, Burshki, Burshki, Burshki. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. This is good. This yeah. is very okay. fun. This feels like something I would like yeah. think a lot it's, about and like make a dedicated yeah. like bonus episode. Yeah. This is phenomenal. Okay. I have starred this it's email phenomenon. so that I never forget it. <laughs> it's phenomenon. 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 Hey. Nice, 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 nice. Well done. Well done. Well done. Well done. Okay, this one is from Zoha, subject line, best birthday present at the Detroit show. Hey, Shubes, so excited to see you live. I've been a fan of yours since 2020, and I got tickets to the show as a birthday present. It was on Sunday. Happy uh, belated birthday. Congratulations. My question is, if it were Annabeth's birthday, my favorite character, what presents would Percy, Grover, and Tyson get her? This is good. Okay. Percy, I feel like, maybe I'm just inserting myself. You're 16, you gotta get something for the girl you like. You go to Claire's or James Avery. <laughs> And you get her like some sort of like vague like earrings that show that yeah. I like you, but they're not like too lovey-dovey. Yeah. I think he would do something like that, yeah. like some sort of jewelry from like a not too fancy, but still kind of nice yeah. spot. Grover definitely gets the exact right gift. Oh. I don't know what it would be, but it feels like he would get the exact right thing. He would get her potentially one of those like harder to build Legos, like the adult mm. like architecture smooth outside yes, Legos. Yeah. Either that or because she is just truly an architect, he would do like my sister did with Legos, which is just like the big box of just any color yeah. and then the mats. And then it's just like, you don't need instructions, go to town. Yeah. I could see him doing something like that. Yeah. Tyson, we have seen Tyson be an incredible gift giver That's as well. That's true, yeah. He gave Percy that amazing shield, so I feel yeah. like he could maybe, she's got the bronze knife, maybe he like etches and does like a very custom like sheath for it yeah, with some cool, cool yeah, design on that. Maybe either like owls or the Parthenon or like something that's either like Athena-y or architecturally. So I think that could be it. And then that's like metal yeah. forging, which is right up his street. Yeah. Here's one that is is good and a bit thinky from Becky. It says, hi, Mike. Welcome to Michigan. It's a lovely state, and tonight you've made it even lovelier. It's really sweet. <laughs> My question tonight is about fatal flaws. More specifically, what the other gods' fatal flaws may be. Very relevant to the episode we just had. A few gods to consider. Hermes. Hmm, fatal flaws? You might try to take over the world. Maybe? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I just feel like... I'm trying to think of like actual fatal flaw. They're like, yeah, the... I mean, he definitely, he, I mean, brushes into something is a bit on the nose, but yeah, mm -hmm. I think like not a lot of forethought. Okay. Just yeah, moving yeah. Just, quickly. Yeah. Tunnel vision yeah. and short sightedness. Okay. Zeus definitely anger. Yeah. I feel like temper that dude for sure. has a short temper. Aphrodite, maybe being a bit too self-centered yeah. or maybe like overly romantic and like dramatic about yeah. stuff. In Love that area. bombing. That's what the kids say <laughs> now. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, it didn't, that happened in Ted Lasso, right? Where it's just like, you give too much, like yeah. you're too Maybe much that's too quick. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Then Hephaestus. I don't know. They're just so chill. <laughs> I, yeah. I, mean, I guess Hephaestus himself, I don't want to say he's like, jealous because his wife was like actively very publicly cheating on him all the time. Yeah. So I don't know if that's really like maybe a Maybe a little full of himself with everything that he gets up to. I yeah, don't know. But maybe. Because yeah, he, he, he was a bit in his workshop, like not the best, but like maybe, maybe because at least we've seen with like some of the things at Beckendorf, like maybe like too much of like, 
I don't know. Like he's not willing to own up to his mistakes. Ooh. And then, but then he does. But like that's okay. kind of it. That's right? kind of yeah. it. Okay. Yeah. 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 Just maybe like being too defensive, yeah. deflecting. Okay. Okay. Demeter. I don't know. Especially because Demeter in this book, all we've seen her is just yeah. kind of be kind of like grumpy stepmom stereotype. Yeah. And then too we haven't met cereal. too many of the kids. What'd you say? Too into cereal. Yeah, she did. <laughs> yeah, just too much carbs. Yeah. <laughs> And then Artemis, Artemis, um, hmm, I don't know, if, uh, not giving boys a chance. Yeah, yes. <laughs> like sexism. <laughs> yeah, and there's some nice boys out there. Apollo, that could be like being self-centered, especially yeah, yeah, with yeah. the, the performance element of it, like getting, you know, too ego-driven, thinking too much of yourself. And then Dionysus, I mean, he, we see him with like a lot of like, grudge holding and pride and yeah. stuff like that. And I don't know if that's him as a cabin or him yeah. just as specifically Mr. D, but yeah. I could see that being something. Again, we don't meet a lot of Dionysus campers. Yeah. We just like know Pollux and yeah. his twin brother, but like we don't really get to know them that much. Yeah. But I could see that based on Mr. D's vibes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Here is this from Mix. It says, hi, Mike. In book three, you were pretty critical of Bianca's choice to join the Hunters. Do you happen to be a younger sibling? How dare you? (laughs) As an oldest sibling, I feel like she made the obvious choice. I think it's fine that she made the choice. I didn't like how quickly she made the choice and how not talk to Nico about it she made the choice. And maybe it like kind of happened off screen or whatever, but it just felt like it was very abrupt. But yes, I am a younger sibling, so (laughs) maybe that informed that. And maybe it was just less obvious to me, but I would have liked her to at least have maybe struggled a bit or talked yeah. to Nico a bit. Where do you fall sibling-wise and such? How did you feel about the yeah, Bianca situation? Yeah, I mean, situation? I think the age difference kind of also lends it to like her just kind of being like, I'm making this decision because I'm maturing and I can make my own decisions and I'm my kid brother doesn't get to dictate what I do. Mm-hmm. So I think that's part of it. But yeah, I think it's, uh, I mean, I'm an older sibling, so I kind of see the logic of trying to like separate yourself from your younger sibling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, okay. Also, they were waking up from a weird, hazy fog of memory <laughs> lapse and being stuck at a hotel for 70 years. So, like, I get it. Yeah. You might make the worst choice. <laughs> not the worst choice, but not the best not choice. Not the best choice. Yeah. So this is from Maris. Maris says, hello, as a mental health professional, I'm always intrigued by the lack of mental health care at Hogwarts and Camp Half-Blood. If you had to pick a character from each world to pursue a career as a therapist, counselor, etc., who would you choose and why? So, one person from... PJOU world and one person from Harry Potter world to go into the mental health profession. I could see Grover being pretty solid. He feels like he's got a good read on people's situations and stuff. He does get a bit stressed out himself though sometimes. So I'm not hundred percent sure there. Yeah. I'm trying to think. From Harry Potter, I do think it could be like Cho Chang, but in like the weird villain origin story where like no one gave me any help. So I learned about all the things that should have been said to me because like clearly she just needed someone to talk to. So I feel like she could, you know, kind of do that. But as far as PJO, it's a a bit tricky. I could also see Hagrid. Oh. I could see Hagrid just kind of like sitting down. Yeah. He's got the right vibes. He relaxes everybody in a generally. Vein, like Tyson, I feel like has those vibes. I feel I, like if with the right like school and coaching, because yeah. Tyson like always kind of has his head right on his shoulders. Yeah. I feel like he might be in the right space as well. Yeah, he gives advice to Percy at a number of moments that does feel helpful. So yeah, I think that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Okay. So this is a, a good question that I think we can end the show on. This one is from Emily. It's a two-parter. It says, Hi Mike, I have two questions for you. One, congratulations. The gods have granted you divinity. What are you now the god of? And what is your symbol? Uh, this is tricky. This is very tricky. I don't know if you have a thought for what your god and symbol would be. 
because I'm trying to answer this in a way that is not pompous. Yeah. And I'm trying to think of something that I'm like good at. Symbol is hard. Yeah, symbol, symbol, symbol is hard. quite, quite, quite hard. Uh, I mean, I, I like my PC gaming is my main hobby. Okay. Uh, okay. I mean, I like gaming on other consoles. As sure, well, sure, but sure. I have a nice PC and I like it. So like I would keep your frame rates at 60 at all times. Okay. That's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Imagine Tears of the Kingdom at 60 frames per second Ooh. in 4K. <laughs> Uh, yeah, be good. Okay, so gaming, would you have a would you have a symbol? A would it symbol. Be like? I mean, it could just be like the power icon, but that's pretty. That's, I mean, that's, that's good. It's just, it's yeah, but it it, it really screams like two thousands era video game t shirt. You could do vibes, like, which is do, not uh, good. I live that life. If you like PC, you could go WASD yeah, keyboard. It's yeah, got a little keyboard, thing. Yeah. It also looks kind of like a Tetris piece, which is just a fun shape. Yeah, I'm thinking mine, which would go in multiple ways, would just be like the god of like figuring it out as you go, mm. uh, which would be like improv comedy was always one of my strong suits. And then like my career has really been figure it out as you go. And like, I'm definitely not a planner. As far as my symbol, maybe just like a thumbs up because usually like Kelly and I will have many times where it's like things look bad. I'm like, no, nah, we'll figure it out. We'll be good. So maybe just like thumbs up and that. Number two though, and this is a fun one. If you were running an advertising campaign for Camp Half-Blood's Strawberry Fields, what would their slogan be? So if we have to come up with an advertising campaign for the strawberries in Camp Half-Blood, I think something you could just be like, strawberry fields, like they're divine. Like that's, it's enough where it's like, oh, cool. And then even like vine is in there. So it's like a little planty and also really good. But then if anyone knows, they're like, oh yeah, I get kind of the thing. But like no one would question it. Like if some fruit company was just like, they're divine, you'd be like, oh yeah, they make tasty fruit. Okay, cool. I mean, I don't know if I can beat that, honestly. Okay. Yeah. Then we'll, we'll yeah. end the show yeah. there. Yeah. That's a high I mean, that was really good. good. That was just really, really good. Yeah. Hey, look, yeah, it worked out. Well, first off, thank you all so much for coming to the show. Please give yourselves a round of applause for making it out. Wouldn't have been possible without you. Give it up to Eric for being an incredible guest for both acts. Thank of you. The thank show. you. Thank you. And give it up for everyone here at the Crowfoot from organizing things to beforehand to sound things to all the stuff backstage as well. Everyone here was wonderful. This was a super easy process. So please give them all a round of applause because they made this all possible as well. This has been super fun and such a delight. And I really appreciate you all coming out. We got to get going because we got to get to bed and then get on back because I got more tour shows to go to. But we'll just clean up our pretend dollar bill related mess and then get going. Before I find my way back to Michigan, potentially Detroit, potentially closer to actual Detroit or whatever, until I find my way back, because for sure I'll find my way back. Until then, (gasps) thanks so much for coming out, everybody. there. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The New Stolympian. This podcast is created, hosted, and produced by me, Mike Schubert. I also run the social media and the website. Our editor is Sherry Guo. The music is by Bettina Campamanes and Brandon Google, and the art is by Jessica E. Boyd. If you want to be a part of the show's community, you can find us on social media. We're at New Stolympian on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. There's also a subreddit, reddit.com slash r slash The New Stolympian. And then there's also the Discord that you get access to by joining any tier of the Patreon over at thenewstolympian.com slash Patreon. If you want to get some TNO merch, you can go to thenewstolympian.com slash merch. And if you want to support the show, and as a thank you, get access to a whole bunch of bonus content. You can do that at thenewsolympia.com slash Patreon. Speaking of that Patreon, let's give a shout out to our producer level patrons, Kelsey Gillespie, The Damn Steam Nuggets, Vicky Garcia, Ellie Hoskovchova, Veronica Bartova, Haley Hastings, Robin Garcia, Frida Vickstrom, Megan Moon, Craig McRoberts, Taylor Payne, Giselle Salvador, Peter Johnson, The Twins, Sabrina Balsiger, Bony Pony, Casey Williams, Polly Burge, Nikki Harris, Tatiana Schmidt, Sandra Rose, Josh Sayre, Josh Wilkie, Abby Ryan, Wise Girl, Ashton Gabrielson, Marco Redhouse, Caden Max, Sam Sam Reby, Riley Kiddas, Mary Kelly, Audra, Mrs. O'Leary, Rodith Kalna, Milo Kim, Harlan Christ, Cece Reed, 
Sandkoff, Julia Kendall, Emil Oscar Thomason, Liz Cardigan, Sarah Neal, Ricky, John Drielsma, Rayla Matthews, Riley Draken, Luna Cadoon, Sky Mallory, Elizabeth Obermiller, Aiden Parziani, Biggest Tyson fan, Hunter Landstrom, Captain Jack Rackham, Sky Captain and the Princess, King Bastion, One Damn Distraction coming up, Ethan Robinson, Ginger Spurs Boy, Joshua Aid, A Cup of Solace, Meg Roy, Lux, Neil, Will Buchanan, and Olivia Kranicki. If you want to support the show in a non-monetary way, simply talking about the show is so helpful. Word of mouth is huge. So you can tell someone that you know who loves Percy Jackson about the podcast, or you can talk to someone who's looking for an excuse to finally get into the Percy Jackson books about it, or someone who's maybe getting hyped for the TV show that's coming up and they want to understand what's going on. Or you could post about the show on social media, or you could leave us a rating and review on whatever podcasting app you're using. All these things really do help. I'm very appreciative to everyone who has already done so and to anyone who will do so in the future. But I'm just so thankful that you tuned into this episode and I hope you tune into our next episode where we will be joined by Kelly Schubert live in Toronto, where we finish up chapter 13 and get into a good chunk of chapter 14. But until then, I'll see you later. Hey everyone, how's it going? It's me, ASMR Mike. So I have a couple of things here in the Shubio that I think I could kind of, I don't know what the term is, but when you kind of like do the thing when you have a deck of cards, I have two things that I can do that with that are not decks of cards. So here is a stack of New York City MTA Metro cards that are not expired, so I should try to use them before they do expire, and I'm going to do that with them. There's about like six of them. And here's something that a listener gave to me. It is a Hermes overnight service like notepad, but it looks like one of the mailing things if you were going to be sending something via Hermes delivery service. So here is me going through those. No idea if that came through, but hopefully you heard something and thank you for listening. Okay, round two, name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, forward, by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.